This is the Distance Theory Podcast. I am Ryan Mazzozo, my co-host Garrett Ricardo, and this is part two of the interview with Coach Josh. Enjoy. Um, all right, because I think it's actually interesting now, um, because like your high school times were they were good, they weren't, you know, state uh, state champion or anything like that. And we were just talking about you want to be a college coach one day. What, like? Because even me, I'm not, I wasn't the greatest high school. I didn't even run for college. Um, how, um, what do you do to, because, like, you have USATF level, I don't know what, you got every, you have everything. Uh, but, like, just talk about, like, all those other classes you've taken and, like, you're meeting all these coaches and, like, you, at the end of the day, trying to be a college coach, which I'm guessing that's your ultimate goal. Um, okay, so, correction. Ultimate goal is personally is to be arguably the best four eight hundred meter coach in the world. Um, I don't know what path it takes to get there um, per se. It's just you know constantly producing good athletes in those disciplines and trying to get better um, year in year out, day in and day out. However, I have to get better and doing it the right way. That's that's the key. Um, I always wanted to win a national championship uh in college um so i figured i'd be a college head coach just like i always wanted to win a high school um, state championship and i um <laughs> i never got the chance to do it um uh, as an athlete so i was like hey the be next best thing to do is do it as a coach and um i've been close like i've been on the cusp for the last three years so i was like yo we got another shot let's try and take it um and then so naturally progression from high school is to college that's that's the dream um, but with college athletics comes a lot of sacrifices. So, you know, you ha I, I have to be mindful of those things. Like, you know, there's a time commitment that has to be there. There's the, the moving, um, and the fact that, Hey, you never know when a job is going to open and you never, you never know where it's going to be, but you have to take those opportunities if it fits you. If it, if that's the opportunity that you see, that's the opportunity you have to take. And you're going to do some things you're not going to want to do when you get there, but you have to do whatever is necessary to keep that spot because there are thousands of coaches just like me that want that opportunity. You know what I mean? Um, so that, that is the goal. Ultimately. Um, I, I think that it is something that is obtainable um, really, really easily. Um, and like I said to you guys earlier, reaching out to coaches is the easiest way to meet them. Um, I've had phone conversations with Vince Anderson multiple times. Um, he is one of the best uh, coaches to, to uh, reach out to because he set aside blocks of time to have conversations. And I know for a fact that if you, you know, reach out to Coach Holloway, he's more than willing to, you know, um, respond. Uh, a lot of coaches are. Coach Mann at Florida is um, honestly – we have to stop looking at coaches as if they're on pedestals. Like uh, Coach Lamont Johnson at Johnson C. Smith in North Carolina said that really well. He's like, at some point, somebody's going to have to go after mouth. Somebody has to go after the top. Like Coach Harder at Arkansas, you know, the, the dominance that they display in cross country, somebody has to try and take them down, you know. Um, so they're human, you know. Yep. So the only way we get there is by reaching out to these guys and talking to them and, and, and breaking into circles that we think we don't have access to, you know, because we are just as good or, or we're on our way, you know? 
Which I even put you at a certain pedestal, um, being the coach you are. <laughs> I, I mean, listen, I, I'm, I'm starting at the very, very bottom. I'm not, but like, I even put you at a pedestal and I mean, you're pretty open to, yeah, you obviously helped me a lot. Um, what certifications do you have? Because I know you have a bunch. Uh, okay. Um, I got my USATF level one in 2010. Um, I think that was like my first year coaching or second year or something like that. Um, then after that, I took my um, technical certification from um, USTFCCCA. That was like the only one that they had out. And at the time, pretty much every certification that they were offering in class was at the convention. So it was like, hey, I have to catch a flight and pay for a class and pay for a hotel to get this, this, uh, <laughs> this certification. And I was like, ah, seems like a lot. And then I think it was 2015, uh, I think, because the, the name tag is like hung up on my wall for my first convention. It was an amazing experience. Um, I went there and I got my program management certification. Um, and then uh, that's where I met uh, Coach Boo. Um, and, you know, they kind of explained the importance of coaches' education because before it was kind of like, hey, you know, I just want to learn. You know, I just want to do it. And then while, while I was at the convention, I met some really good coaches who kind of, you know, saw me um, talking on the, like, was well, sitting sitting on the corner um, at lunch, you know, and I was just eating by myself. And there's like hundreds of coaches everywhere at tables, like sitting and talking and they're looking at me like, what's wrong with that guy? Um, so, <laughs> like, is he about to cry or anything? Like, I'm like, hello. Cross-country runner. <laughs> and and so they invite me over to their table and we sit down and um we talk and then I got to see the human side of coaches and they're like yo you know after the after the symposium tonight we're playing spades in this room and we're uh we're going out to the bar downstairs at this room hang on one second but yeah so they you know I saw the human side and that's what kind of dove me in the coaches uh education so I got um after that, I got my sprint hurdle and relay specialist certification, um, weight training for track and field, um, sports psychology certification from US TFCCCA, and now I'm actually in the middle of my speed and power uh, sports science class so that I can get my master's endorsement in um, long sprints. So um, I'm working on that. And then USATF level two endurance is in the plans um, at some point um, in the next year and hopefully then um, my master's endorsement in middle distances so I I am like deep into this uh, coach's education thing because if I, I, I see it as an investment like yeah I'm probably spending like maybe two or three thousand dollars but that'll be a you know that'll probably be a bonus one year <laughs> Yeah, when, exactly. When it all comes down to it, if I'm if I'm doing things the right way, I'm I'm committed to working hard and um just trying to do um uh, whatever's necessary to make it to um whatever my individual pedestal is or you know. Yeah, definitely far from just a, a distance coach. Like I literally before um this year, I literally did not know you needed that many certifications or like needed any certifications at all to like coach at the college level. And the fact that you have, you're like working on all the certifications to be well-rounded as a coach. And, you know, it's like, 
it's like your philosophy with your runner. You don't want to just be one like like good at one event. You want to be great at everything. You know. Well, and not necessarily great in, in one thing. I, I don't want you to confuse. You don't necessarily need the cert- certifications. I believe that they are important, though. Um, you really just need um, a bachelor's. And if you have collegiate coaching experience, that's a plus. You know, um, for me, I don't have the Division One coaching experience. So I download the Division One uh, track and field rule book every year. And I comb through that, you know, as if I am a college coach so that when that day comes, you know, I'm prepared for that opportunity so that, you know, people will think it's luck. I'll just think it's preparation meeting that opportunity at the middle, you know? Um, and then when it comes down to training them, you know, it's, it's about being versatile in a range. Like for an 800 meter runner, I think that to be the best 800 meter runner that you can be, you need to be good enough to have confidence to compete in the 200, but then also good enough that, Hey, if I need to run a, thir- a 3K, I can compete in that too. You know, you may not be stellar at the 3K and stellar at the 200. You're not making the NCAA final. But yeah. you're going to be able to hold your own at, um, like, uh, invitational. You know what I mean? And if you can do those things, why don't you have the confidence to, you know, run a first lap for a female in 57 or 58 seconds and separate yourself from everybody else in the NCAA, everyone else in the world, you know? Um, um, uh, yeah, you go ahead. Go I was ahead. gonna say because the the first two episodes we've done have been distance runners, and both of them, there was a reason why they were the top distance runners um, in their high school. And just off what you were just talking about right now, there's a reason why you're one of the best coaches. Did was there a coach or like how did you know like I gotta do every, all of these things to be the best coach I can possibly be? Um. <clears throat> I don't think there was any coach that said, hey, you need to take all these classes. <laughs> there definitely wasn't. Um, I think for me, it was one of those things where it was like, yo, I need an edge. Um, because I looked at things from a realistic perspective. Um, I'm not a professional track athlete. You know, my name doesn't ring bells when you read it. Uh-huh. If I put a resume on somebody's desk and, you know, a guy that ran for four years at xyz university has his resume and they look similar who are you going to go with you're going to go with the name who when you google it you know it's going to ring something Mm -hmm. so it's like hey i need an edge i I need to figure out what that is and then when i got to fort lauderdale high school you know i was young so a lot of coaches you know that were um available didn't want to coach with me so i had to do most of that stuff myself so then it was like hey well you know i'm going to I'm going to step up to this task. I'm not going to tell the sprinters you can't come out and make this a distance program. I'm not going to tell the distance kids I'm not, I'm going to ignore you during track season. I'm going to figure out a way to make this work and find success. And then when I had, you know, that first year it was just a girls program and we saw success, then I inherited all of the boys that next year. And then, you know, you have this combined program and you're coaching all these events on the track. You need to know what you're doing. You can't do a disservice to these kids. So it's like, hey, the Altus um, short sprints course, I've done it. I've completed it. You know, um, the Altus sports course for shot and disc, you know, I'm in the process of doing it because I, I need to know in order to produce. I can't short service a kid because I, I did not want to be that kid. 
I, I, I never want to look a kid in the face and have to say, hey, I did the best that I could and lie. You know, I'm going to do the best that I can so that when it's all said and done, it's like, all right, you know, 142 or whatever the case may be, that's the best you're going to do for your career. You know, we, we did, we, we had a good run. You know, you can walk away from it and be happy. Um, that's one of the things that I'm, I'm most fortunate with. Like there's, I think there's only one exception in, in the 10 years that, where I can say, like, I don't think I did my due diligence. Um, other than that, it's um, me out there every day trying to, uh, trying to get it done. And honestly, my assistant coach, he, uh, he was with me earlier. We went out to lunch and he says like, literally the funniest thing ever is watching you coach on a Tuesday because you're running from the finish line to 300 meter mark to the hundred meter mark to, you know, uh, do a wickets with the, the sprinters. And then you go back to 200 meter mark cause you're 400 guys over there. And then you got the hurdlers at a 300 meter mark and the distance runners are coming around for a laugh and you're trying to beat them over there. So you can yell out splits. It is the funniest thing ever. <laughs> and I'm like, or you could help, you know, <laughs> but he's got his group. So it's like, um, there, they, um, when you work hard, your, your assistants work hard. So, um, they're putting out, you know, product, like really good product, him and my pole vault coach and my jumps coach. And, um, they're putting out good product every year because they see me doing it. And I've learned that lesson from other aspects of life off the track. If, people above you work hard <laughs> you're gonna feel bad if you're not working as hard as them you know what i mean yeah so obviously one of your goals is to eventually you know coach college have you got had any you know opportunities to coach at the next level or um i have um the last couple of years i have gotten a couple opportunities um i they came at the wrong times. And I feel bad saying that because there's never a wrong time because you never know when it's going to come. Yeah. Um, but they came where I knew I was on the cusp of something big, you know? And I wasn't 100% invested into the opportunity at the time. And I knew that if I took the opportunities, I would be looking back at the high school and saying, hey, I didn't finish. I need to help these guys. And if I'm not 100% invested in what I'm doing, I, I don't want to get into it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I never want to short, like I said, I never want to shortchange someone. And that would go for an employer, too. So if uh, a college were to say, hey, you know, we want you to come here and represent our school, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And everything that I do, like, it, the Twitter profile totally changes the moment I, I sign a contract. You know what I mean? Um, and the colors change. Um, but, you know, right now in my heart, I'm bleeding blue and white. And, you know, I'm doing some special things with some kids there. And I, I, I'm planning on finishing it out this year. And once this year is up, then that's when I start to, you know, look at other opportunities possibly. Um, but if they don't come, I'm fully invested in what I'm doing right now. So it's not, you know, a big thing for me. And, yeah, and I think that's a that's just a hard, hard decision to make because – I feel like every other year you kind of get that one athlete where like, Hey, like this kid's really talented. I think I need to stay and keep coaching him because I don't want to leave him in the wrong hands and him not reach his potential. But thank you. What you agree? Thank you. 
No, like you. Like, oh, like me? Well, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, personally, I think that, I mean, I, it all worked out in the end of the day. But, uh, like, I mean, my senior cross-country year, and life happens, you know, life hits you, and my coach had a, a job opportunity, and he needed to move his life forward, and I understood that, obviously. Um, but, like, you know, it's hard to leave a kid in that position because I was guessing and coaching myself, you know. And Ryan was kind of helping me out, and but that was, my, in, that was my internship. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, so I you guess. That by the way, I'm just saying wow. <laughs> that, that you get an A for that that internship. That was a really yeah. good year. It was more him teaching me. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, I couldn't tell. I was like, "What is he doing? <laughs> where, did, where did Garrett come from?" Like, <laughs> it was just more. Me just patting him on the back and being his number one cheerleader. <laughs> and, all right, so I guess you would kind of label it as, like, a year-to-year type thing. Like, I guess you're not on, like, a, like a five-year long-term, like, coaching contract. It's more of, like, the year ends and you kind of, you know, measure everything out and weigh your options type thing, or? Well, so, um, <clears throat> so like, the last opportunity that – uh I got offered was over COVID. Um, it was actually a couple months ago. Um, and it was a, a really good opportunity where they were, you know, kind of bringing in a new head coach. And um, he was really familiar with me. And he was like, hey, you know, Josh, could you come out, you know, come up here and, and pack everything up and move this way and uh, help me build this program? And I was like, yo, that would be dope. And then I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, let's, let's sit down and weigh the pro, pros and cons of this. You know, like, hey, you know, you got a couple of talented seniors here. Um, they, uh, they have the, the ability to have a really good, solid career. What, what is the contingency plan? You know, is there a contingency plan in place for if you were to pick up and leave, are these kids all right? And part of me is like, hey, you can't hold your life for them, you know. But then at the same time, I made a commitment to those guys. You know, I gave them my word when they were uh, freshmen, their freshman year at the state meet. Um, I think we ran 8-11 in the 4 by 8 and uh, we sat in the hotel um, overlooking the, the, the ocean. And um, that, that was a- Oh, dang, hold up, hold up. Y'all got money like that? <laughs> that, was a, that was a rub to Ryan because we talked about that. Um, but we were, we were, our hotel was on Jack's Beach, and I was like incredibly, I was sitting there and I was like, hey, we have a chance to win a state title next year. And they came in the room and they're like, hey, coach, you know, um, and the one kid, one kid comes and he says, coach, I want to quit football. And I'm like, why do you want to quit football? And he's like, I want to run 47 seconds. And I said, hey, you don't necessarily have to quit football to uh, run 47 seconds. He's like, well, coach, I keep getting hurt. You know, like, I, and I said, well, then you need to take better care of your body. And he's like, well, I just, I don't really want to play football. I said, okay, if you don't want to play football, go tell the football coach that. But it's not going to be my, me saying, hey, you can't play football anymore. So he decides that, hey, he doesn't really want, he doesn't love it as much as he loves track. And he wants to, um, he wants to run track. So that's his, his focus. And then the other kid says, hey, coach, you know, I, I ran a really good mile this year. I want to, I want to be better. I want a medal next year. I, I'm, I'm glad that we ran a good four by eight, but I want to do more, 
you know, and all the kids come and they tell me their goals and stuff like that. And I say, hey, guys, if you're committed to doing it, I'm committed to staying. I'm committed to being here as long as you guys are here to see you guys through this. Um, and we had a heart to heart. So I, I was like, hey, we're going to we're going to stick this out. These kids are seniors now. Um, they've progressed really well over high school. Um, and I want to see those guys through. Um, and then at the same time, I've we Fort Lauderdale High has never won a girls' state championship. That is something I've committed to doing. Um, and I have a really, really talented group of young girls um, all across the board right now that are sophomores that I want to kind of put them in position. And if I were to get a job, I, I kind of know who I would bring in to, to finish the job for me. Um, so I'm not too um, hung up on them. But at yep. the same time, if, if, you know, the opportunity's not right, I'm going to see that one through too, you know, and then I'm going to go kicking down who, whoever's door necessary to like, hey, like, hey, I'm going to pull out, I'm going to, um, I'll rake the pole vault mats or, or I'll rake the grass every day or I'll sweep the, I'll sweep the locker rooms if you, you know, give me a spot, let me hold a stopwatch over here, you know, <laughs> XY University so I can, you know, get my foot in the door. Um, but there are goals that I set that I want to accomplish first. Um, but hey, for the right school, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and obviously, one of those talented kids, and it's he's he's a, a pretty good friend of mine. I look at him as a little bro, and um, future podcast Michael, guest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and probably next podcast guest. Um, so he's super talented, obviously, um, and. How did you exactly like approach coaching him and how have you matured in your coaching career having him as one of your athletes? Cause I th I mean, I don't know how many or what athletes you've coached over the years, but he's very talented. And I feel like he's probably one of the most talented uh, runners in the state. So. Um, okay. So we're talking about Michael Fiore. Yes. Um, Michael is a very, very special kid. Um, you can't put into words what he's been able to accomplish for this program, cross and track. Excuse me. Um, but I can, I can say it like this. Um, he's never run before he got to high school, um, competitively at least. And approaching, coaching him was kind of the same as everybody else, his, his first cross country season. Like I knew he was special. I never knew how special he was. Um, at least not immediately. By the regional meet his freshman year in cross, I knew he was special um, because he, his dad said, hey, you know, if he trusts you, he'll run through a wall for you. And that was the first, one of the first things that stuck out in the conversation that we had, the first of many. And I was like, yeah, okay. You know, all parents say that, <laughs> you know. And by the end of the season, I was fully convinced that that kid would actually run through a wall if I asked him to. Um, and He's changed my philosophy when it comes to coaching because you hear about kids buying in, but you never really see 100% buy-in. And I've never seen it until I've coached Michael Fiore. I've always had kids that bought in to various degrees. Um, but from day one, he bought in literally from his warm-up lap, and he has never wavered. He has um, trusted me in times where I thought he shouldn't because he, he actually got hurt his freshman year during track season. Um, and we kind of, me being the 
coach that I was at the time, I was kind of like managing his injury through the season because we were in championship season and he had pulled his hamstring. So it was like, yeah. all right, you're a miler. You don't really need it. Let's, you know, like, let's try and figure this out. Um, and he continued to PR with a hurt Trent hamstring. And then we went to the district meet that year and he ran another PR and he, and he didn't qualify for a regional meet in the mile. And I thought it was my fault. So I, as a coach, I had to reevaluate uh, what I was doing that year. And I had to come back and say, hey, you know, next year we're going to be better. We're going to be smarter. And we're going to take what we've done this year. And that is going to be a standard. And then we're going to open our season next year better than where we started. And we try to do that every single year. Um, and I think for the most part, we've been successful. I think um, in the three years, or this is his fourth, in the three years that he's been here, we PR'd every single year in just about every event. And that's one of the things, like I said, I take pride in is showing that we can constantly get better and that he can um, continue to push his limits. You know, we ran yesterday the Spanish River Invitational. He ran 1539 by himself, literally from the gun. And he followed the bike. And then after the race, he was like, coach, what I run? And I'm like, 1539. He's like, oh, man, I'm upset. My personal best is 1538. I said, well, Michael, you're not running with anybody. He said, well, coach, you said that doesn't matter. I should push it either way. I was like, yeah, you're right. I did say that. You know? <laughs> so <laughs> I got I, I to remember what I'm saying, you know, in the, in the moment. But these are the things that we're taught, you know, um, and that we're teaching is that we have to keep going. You know, um, we have to keep seeking goals. And one of the things about him is that I, I taught him like I was taught, always set a goal chase after it relentlessly and then when you get it set the bar higher so we're we've already begun talking about what his goals are for collegiate track um and my job now is to successfully transition him from my program into the university of florida's distance program and make sure he's set up for success there because i, I believe he can be a champion on the collegiate level so that's my job and I like, like I said, it keeps coming back full circle. That goes back to you being a good coach because a lot of coaches would just, you know, look at his success through high school and maybe want him to win like a state championship or whatever, reach the highest goal at the high school level, but maybe not set them up for success, you know, and transition him into what he's going to be doing in college. Because mm -hmm. I know, I mean, Selinski does a lot of crazy workouts from what I've heard um, mm -hmm. at UF. So that's, I think that's huge. And it differs a lot from your, your training philosophies and your program, you know? Mm -hmm. So I mean, he's going to be doing a lot more mileage and all that stuff. So um, he'll, he'll do, he'll, he'll do more mileage. He'll, he'll adapt to it. Um, like me and coach Selinski had very long talks about uh, during the recruiting process. And that's one of the things that uh, I really, really respect him for because that's a lost art, you know, reaching out to the coach to see what the athlete was actually doing, what made them successful in order to continue to make them successful. Yep. And um, I, I think he'll adapt to anything. There, there are things that we've done this past few months that we, we hadn't done in years prior. You know, we, we just started bringing tempos into the, into the training program. We just started – um, bringing longer repeats, like 2K repeats in uh, last year, just to see what how they would work. And we couldn't do it as many um, at first. And, you know, 
so we went back to 800 meter repeats but now we're stronger now we can do those things and it was just like hey i had to look at his um overall training age and say hey this kid's only been running for this is his fourth year running period running competitively and if we want him to go for eight more years you know we need to do it a certain way we need to be you know i wouldn't say meticulous but we need to take our time and do it the right way if he doesn't win a state title it's not going to deter him from winning an sec championship exactly yeah what looks better an sec championship or a state title Exactly. There, there, dude, there are hundreds, there's 50 states in the U.S. There are 50 state champions. Well, there's maybe, let's say there's four, class, yeah. let's say there's four classifications in every yeah. state, right? 50 states, there's 200 state champions every year. But there's only one SEC champion every year. There's only one NCAA championship, champion every year. So it's not that, it's not important. It's not that we don't care about those things. It's that at the end of the day, we're focusing on getting better as an athlete. Like whatever his mark was last year, we're, we're focused on beating that and lowering it as much as we can. And I've always had a philosophy. It comes from, you know, Coach, Coach Whitfield and Coach, Coach Fan. When they coached me, it was always put a mark up that no one else can beat. Then you don't have to worry about the other people in the lanes. You just have to do you, you know? Yeah. So that's what we always try to do. We try to just run our race and be successful doing the things that we do. Yeah, and, and I was gonna say, like, for example, like the state titles are insignificant in the long run. Like I come I come to CSU never having won a state title mm-hmm. and three guys on my team are state champs in their respective class or state. And it's like, well damn, like did it really mean that much in high school? Like, obviously, everybody wants to be a state champ. But it's the high, one of the highest things you can achieve as a, as a high school athlete. But at the end of the day, there are bigger fish to fry, you know? I'm not discounting a state championship of because course. that's your goal. Yeah. That's what you should shoot for. Like, I, don't get me wrong. I wanted to run 144 in the 800 in high school. That, you know what I mean? That's, yeah. That makes no sense. You know, I, I totally disrespected the event when I said that as a freshman. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, those were the things that made me the coach that I am. You know, it wasn't about, you know, um, just the mark. So, you know, my first 800 I ever ran, I remember it clear as day. I think I ran 227. It was terrible. I think I took the first lap out sub 60 and I crashed and burned because the defending, or, well, the number one ranked 800 meter runner in the state was my teammate and he made sure we knew it that day uh and I ran 227 and I was at the end of that year I was sitting in front of the computer and I was typing it my goals for the next year and I was like I'm running 144 before I leave high school you know it didn't matter that I couldn't win a dual meet it didn't matter that I couldn't win my conference I knew what the end goal was so that same philosophy goes with coaching I never ran 144 yeah but I kept that mentality hey Let's keep getting better, you know, whatever the case may be. So that next year I ran 210. And that next year after that, I ran 204. And then I ran two minutes, you know, and then I ran 158. And then I ran, you know what I mean? Like you get better year after year. And eventually you'll get to a point where you're setting marks. And now that, you know, we're smarter as coaches over the years, now that we're better as athletes over generations, we're going to start to see marks where that's possible. You know, you, you just have to go back in history to see that there were years, years ago, you know, we had kids 
that were 14 years old making Olympic teams. It's not unheard of. So these things that, you know, oh, you can't run these times in high school, that's not, that's not unbelievable. It's just a matter of, you know, accepting the fact that there are certain things we have to do to do it. Certain things we can't do, we can't party, we can't, you know, uh, do those things, but we can be successful. And so knowing that you have the talented athlete, like, you know, in Michael, um, how do you push him on like a day-to-day basis? Like, obviously he's got a a great training partner in Humberto, but obviously, you know, there's also a time difference in in their PRs. How do you push him, uh, you know, just on a day-to-day basis in practice? Okay. Well, so first off, I want to say Humberto Ramirez, incredibly talented. He has not, scratch the surface of his talent at all um he is um really 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 underrated in that in the aspect um so he is just as capable of running those times as michael is the difference the biggest difference that makes it coach michael easier is that as i've grown as a coach i've learned that motivation true motivation is intrinsic and motivation isn't the best deterrent determining factor when it comes to success it's discipline and michael has it in spades motivation is a a time to time type thing there are days where you're not going to be motivated there are days where you're not going to want to get up and run an eight mile run i'm I'm sorry nobody wakes up every day and says hey i want to train hard what separates the good from the great is the discipline to say hey i feel like crap but I'm going to do it anyway, because at the end of the day, you know, this is what's going to put me in a position to be successful. Or let me not say it that way, because I, I guess people may think I'm trying to uh, stress overtraining. Yeah. But what I mean is, you know, you're going to, your coach designs a workout for you. And, you know, he says 80% is 67 seconds or whatever the case may be. This is the pace you're supposed to go for the rep. And you, on number six, you feel like, oh, I can chill for six and seven and come back on rep number eight and run well, and the, the workout will still look good because coach won't know the difference. Most kids do that. Yeah. But then there's that select few that that run every rep to the best of their ability, and they see those gains. He's one of those kids. I don't have to go out of my way to motivate him. And when I do have to go out of my way to motivate them, then I know something's wrong, yeah. you know, and that was, that was COVID. That was, you know, saying, Hey, we worked four years for a state championship and, you know, they've decided that we're opting out of the state series and you don't get an opportunity to run. So then he says, Hey, well, coach, why am I running cross country season? What's, what's the point? And then I say to prove that you're just as good as these kids, regardless of where you train at, regardless of what course you run on, you're just as good prove that point and you know he's done that to an extent and that's, um, like that's a whole nother topic we could talk about that just infuriates me every time i hear that y'all can't compete in the state meet which it's it's robbing him of an experience it's life i mean like yeah. do i want to run yes uh do i want to compete for us do i want him to compete for a state title yes are we going to get it no so we have to we have to move in the other direction. Mm-hmm. You know, it's as, as a coach, part of my job is now focusing him on what we, what opportunities we do have. 
you know, and saying we can still be successful because at the end of the day, um, there are times, um, and track and field is a good example of this, where the number one runner and number one ranked person in the world isn't the Olympic champion. Um, 2016, Kenny Harrison falls in the Olympic trials in the 100 meter hurdles. Crushed. Her coach finds a way to bounce her back. And then a few weeks later, in uh, I think the London Diamond League meet, she sets the world record in the 100-meter hurdles. So who's number one in the world? The Olympic champion or the world record holder? The best to ever do the event. You know what I mean? There are times where that happens. So just because you don't get to go to the big dance doesn't mean the season is over with. And that's a lesson that he learned this year. Um. Go ahead. Um, uh, so yeah, you're gonna do one question each because I know you're pretty sure that. Yeah, yeah, and then we'll, we'll we'll go with the rapid fire questions. So our first conversation, I'm pretty sure we ever had, we were talking about how do you know to tell your kids? Um, like after, and then you told me after a race, you didn't talk to your kids for like I think it was a statement. You didn't talk to them for like a whole day because you didn't know what to tell them. Mm-hmm. How does that? Because that's like the most fun part to me as a coach is like after a race, like. You know, you got to give them feedback because they're looking for you and that, you know, they're waiting for your response. What, what is that process like? Um, so I try not to go into detail. Okay. Right? You go, yeah. Um, I'll ask them for feedback. Um, like I'll tell them, walk me through the race, you know, um, because there are times where we're, we're in high school, right? So we're doing multiple events. So I'll say, walk me through the race. And I ask them, how do they feel? And then I'll say, hey, we need to focus on the four by four. We need to focus on the 32 or whatever the next event is, you know, because if it's an 800 guy, he may be on the four by four. If it's a 600 guy, he may be in the 32. Or if it's the four by eight, they may have a whole group of events to do that day. You know what I mean? So I'm like, hey, go cool down, jump into Norman Tech or, you know, you know, lay out, get in some AC, whatever the case may be. We need to get prepared for the next event. And then at the end, of, you know, I'll write a little bit of notes or I don't write anymore. I just kind of pull out my phone and jot it down in the note section. And then I'll sit down at the end of the meet and I'll go over the entire meet because sometimes as coaches, we get in a tendency of saying like, hey, oh, that was a bad race. Right. And let's say it was a 1600 and we're like, yo, that was a terrible race. So now what is he going through when he lines up for the 3200? You know what I mean? You're adding pressure. I don't want to do that. So, you know, I try to encourage them and get them through the meet and then give myself 24 hours to kind of process everything that was going on. Because at first glance, I may not realize that, hey, he ran a, a really good 800 and he wasn't able to come back on a 4x4, but that was because, you know, they didn't have the wheelchair events that day that we were planning on to give him the extra 10 minutes rest or whatever the case may be. Um, so I process all that and then I'll go back and I'll say, Hey guys, you know, let's, um, let's have a conversation that next day at practice or let's, um, or if it's Sunday, you know, I'll start a group chat conversation and I'll be like, Hey, you guys tell me how you felt now that you guys had some time to process it. And now that we processed it, we can have an honest discussion and I can say, Hey, you know, these are the things that we did, right. These are the things that we did wrong. And this is how we're going to get better. I never bring something negative to the table without a solution because I was taught really early not to bring problems, bring solutions. And it's it's funny because like you guys talk like mentioning that question, Ryan. Like it just made me remember at the state meet when I 
didn't perform the greatest. Obviously, I had some hamstring issues and my, my season didn't go how, how it should have. But um, I remember I, I performed really like I didn't perform the greatest in the mile. And I didn't have that coach really to come talk to me after my race. And I was just devastated. And I remember you actually came up and you talked to me and um, you kind of got my mind back on the right path. Obviously, I didn't process that info till later on in the day. But um, I just, I don't know. I just thought that was really cool. Um, remembering that and, and I didn't really even know you that well back then. So, um, I, I just think that it was, that, that was like a, a really, you know, cool moment. I mean, I at, the, at the, at the end of the day, in that situation, I, I typically try not to do those things. Um, because you know, like you are for, you are running for another program, yeah. but, um, I, I did know your head coach and, you know, I knew all the issues that you were going through your senior year. So, you know, I felt, you know, I was really empathetic and I was like, Hey man, I, I know that's hard because this is a four sixteen miler that should have been able to run to win this race. Yeah. So, and I'm like, so I know how devastating that is. Um, you know, being in mild situations where there are races that I should have won that I didn't win. And I know how hard it is. And I saw you, but I got to get this kid back up because he's going to, you know, the worst thing to ever hear is like, hey, Garrett's not running anymore or whatever the case may be. Because I think that, you know, you are a talent and we this sport needs kids like you. Yeah. So, you know, whatever I can do to keep you on that path, that's what I had to do that in that moment, you know? Yeah, and that, I, like I said, like that helped me a lot because uh, like in the moment I was like, dang, like I really like, I just, I didn't have it. You know, I didn't have it that day and I remember you just telling me like, hey, like you have a whole college career ahead of you and you have a lot more to worry about on the future, like pick it up and, you know, keep going, pick your head up and stuff. And um, like I said, that makes you a better coach because you didn't have to do that, but you did it. And, you know, that's just, like I said, it makes you a better coach. Thanks. Yeah, of course. And I, I appreciate that a lot. Um, but yeah, so with that, we're gonna wrap this podcast up and uh, just do our all-out kick round. Obviously, we um, like to ask some fun questions. You can answer them as fast as you want; it doesn't matter. Um, but we just like to have a couple rapid-fire questions. All right, so, let's do it. <laughs> all right. So the first first question is: What's your favorite track event to run? Oh, eight hundred, without a doubt. Yeah. Okay. Um, you can answer. You can answer here. Yeah. All right. And then what's your favorite track event to watch? So, all right. So <laughs> two events, um, both of them are exciting to watch and, and both of them um, are, are the same. So for me, um, watch and run for both. So now I, I'm backtracking a little bit. The 800 and the 4x4. Four four. So if I'm, watch, if I'm participating, I really, really, really love running the 4x4. Four four. Um, for the team aspect and the excitement of, you know, running somebody down as an 800 runner, like that's the moment where you feel fast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> and then um, watching it do like, if, if YouTube recorded how many times I watched Kendall Ellis, um, Yo. run down, uh, that was uh could do. Yeah. Um, JV, what's her name? JV, or I, I forgot, I forgot her name. I'm so sorry, I forgot her name. But 
watching her rerun that race because you know I've watched Kendall since she was in high school. Yeah. And it's like, yo, like I'm watching this race. I know how the race ends, but I'm watching it over and over. So, you know, four by four. <laughs> um, so what's the hardest workout you've ever done? And what's the hardest workout you've ever gave your athletes, you think? Um, hardest workout I've ever done is a broken eight hundred. I just can't tell you which one or broken eight. It's a broken workout. Um, I've done broken eights and I've done broken sevens. I want to say broken sevens was harder than broken eights because the way coach T broke them down, it was three fifty, three fifty, And it was like 52 second pace for both of them. And then the rest is the 50 meter jog. It's not a 50 meter walk. It's a 50 meter jog. <laughs> so it's, like, it's like, yo, so you thought lactate was bad before? Yeah, oh. 350 meters in lactate. You're not going to worry about it in the meat anymore. <laughs> um, and then the hardest one that I've ever given, um, I, I can't say, I would probably say it would be uh, uh, 600 meters the hard way, and that was for sprinters. So it's like an all-out 60. Um, and they're running it uh, shuttle style. So they, they literally only have, let me see, 60 is like seven seconds times four. So they have like 28 seconds rest in between each 60, and all of them are all out, and they have to do 10. I literally, every time we do that workout, I have no one standing afterwards. I know it's a workout that's necessary, um, but I'm never the one to try and kill kids at workouts. Of course. At workout, every time, everybody's laid out, and I'm just like, I question whether or not it's a good workout every time, but it, it does the job. Yeah. Um, so the next question is, what are your favorite running shoes? Ah, uh, I'm a Pegasus guy. I'm a Nike Pegasus guy. Now I, there are some Asics that I love. I just don't know what the model are. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. And this isn't on here, but I just thought of it. When was the last time you ran? Yesterday. Oh, yesterday when I caught a cramp running from the two mile mark. Me and Coach Josh were sprinting to the mile marker yesterday. <laughs> oh my God, we were gassed. Every, every cross country meet is the last time that I run. Um, I I want to get back into the habit of running. Um, because I did challenge Michael and Jaden to a 600 meter race. Um, right after they graduate, I I know I'm gonna get dragged. But if I can just go through at 52 for the 400, I don't even care what my last year it looks like. So it's like, yeah, I, I feel good again. I can go through at 52 again. <laughs> you know, that, that's going to take all of the rest of the year. to get. <laughs> oh, yeah. You'll, you'll never be able to run again. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then final question. What was the proudest moment of your coaching career? Oh, this doesn't have to, yeah, this doesn't. This doesn't have to be like a race, or it could be anything as far as coaching, like getting athletes to college, or um, um, two things if you want. Yeah, I got two for me. So, um, this is gonna sound weird, right? The proudest moment that I had as a coach, right? And I'm gonna fanboy for a second was getting an email reply from Coach Holloway at Florida. <laughs> that, that had proudest moment because I was like, yo, he took the time to reply to my email. I was like showing everybody. And they're like, well, let me read what he said. And I was like, no. 
But it was um, it was a trying time in my coaching career, and I was kind of debating whether or not I should do it or not. And I was like, hey, you know, like life was getting really rough, really hard. And he reached out. He said some really, really kind words. And he was, you know, he kind of pushed me on that path. And it was like, I don't even think he knows, like, what he did in that conversation. He does not know. I'm pretty sure he doesn't. And he, he probably will never know until, like, 10, 15 years from now. But, dude, like, had he not replied, I probably wouldn't be coaching right now, yeah. you know. So that, that I thank him for every, every day without him ever knowing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Um, but all right, so that wraps up the all-out kick round. Um, and that wraps up the podcast. So, <laughs> Guys, it was a pleasure. This was, this was fun. We got um, to do this again oh, at some point. Most definitely. Probably actually when I come back, we could probably yeah, have we, Yeah, we could do that. We could talk, like, we could uh, pick, like, favorite race memories and stuff, and we could talk about you running my kids now. You know, <laughs> hurt my friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, all right, it was a pleasure having, having you, Coach Josh. Um, like I said, guys, this is the end of this episode. Uh, we are the Distance Theory Podcast. I'm Garrett Cardo with my co-host. Uh, Ryan Zozo. And we're signing out.